Hello and welcome to The Earth Wants You. This is Killian, all the way from Dublin, Ireland, which might be just around the corner depending on where you are in the world. I'm just letting you know that Billy and Savvy are a little too busy this week to do the podcast because they're working on relaunching The Earth Wants You podcast next week with a brand new array of wonderful sounds and interviews and songs and music. But this week we thought we'd play one of our older interviews with Medea Benjamin, which is from last October. And, and Medea just gave us such a wonderful interview that energized us all so much to get out there and be protesters and activists. And yeah, we thought we'd play it for you this week. So we hope you enjoy it. And again, we'll be back next week with a brand new, wonderful relaunch of the Earth Wants You podcast. Earthaluya, stay strong. What the hell kind of economy have we created that we are dependent on killing little kids in Yemen for these jobs? Yes, yes. Welcome to The Earth Wants You. I'm Savitri D with Reverend Billy. The Earth Wants You. I suddenly thought of the title of this radio show. (laughs) Yes, the Earth desires us. Oh, wait a minute. I don't know. When you say it like that... Wait a minute. I made a mistake. Wouldn't be the first time. Yes, that was the first one. Listen, we are a little bit... I was going to say drunk, wobbly, woozy, hungover. Sad. A perfect storm has hit us all. I was going to say activists, but all of us are suffering from Hurricane Michael, suffering from Dr. Ford and the wall, the Trumpian wall of Brett Kavanaugh and Mitch McConnell and an avalanche of angry white males. And then, of course, the families breaking up the children in the concentration camps. That's right. We've got, am I right? Are some of the listeners out there saying, hallelujah, I feel that way too. Something something slowed me down. Shaking something, your head. Something maybe a little bit dark The lately. coffee's not um, working. Coffee's, you know, I'm on my third espresso. Mm-hmm. I'm not working. Mm-hmm. Well, we have today, we have a couple, we have, we have a solution. Well, it's temporary. And it's not a global solution. <laughs> it's highly localized. It's local and personal. <laughs> we have Medea Benjamin as, as our guest, the co-founder of Code Pink, the person who lights up those morose Senate hearings with the color pink, and suddenly there are women there shouting, screaming, right. singing, and the embarrassed, you know, She's cops. like a needle on a compass. <laughs> Medea is with us today. And we also have, as our uh, surviving, always on the edge of extinction, but always surviving, like a good activist, we have the whooping crane. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm a special. I have a special weakness for the whooping crane. With my boyhood in South Dakota, mm-hmm. I remember the whoopers. They were down to uh, about thirty individuals at one point. Twenty-two. And uh, they always seem to be surviving whooping like a good activist so we've got we've got some songs that are you know a inspiration to those of us who might have lost hope in sam cook and david bowie and now we're going to go to one of those really inspiring songs that has kept kept people going a change is gonna come sam cook Born by the river 
in a little tent Oh, and just like the river I've been running Ever since It's been a long A long time coming But I know A change gonna come Oh, yes it will It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die, cause I don't know what's up there, beyond the sky, it's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna I'm almost convinced that change will come. Yes, sun will come up. Sun will go down. A change will come <laughs> despite the news from the natural world. You know, most of my life, I've I, uh, just been happy because the seasons come and go. And now, who knows? Who knows? You're going to give us that report about the micro-seasons. Welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. Wealthy people in the United States produce 10 times more per capita emissions than the wealthy people in China. Oh, no. The regulated California cannabis market is a $4 billion a year industry already. And in Canada, the 14,000 square kilometers of rugged boreal forest and sprawling wetlands in the Northwest Territories 
will now be protected from resource extraction and stewarded by indigenous guardians from All right. the Decho First Nations. All right. We needed some good news the right Edesi about that, Mom. The protected area is the first step toward Canada's international commitment to protect 17% of land and fresh water by 2020. The Edesi in the Southwestern and Northwest Territories will be managed through a consensus-based management board with federal and indigenous members with eyes on the ground provided by the Decho First Nations Indigenous Guardians. The vast wilderness area is home to species at risk such as the boreal caribou and wood bison. It is expected that the new area, the new refuge, will be particularly significant for boreal caribou herds as climate change affects their southern ranges. Yay! I can see. I can hear Trump on the. It on is the a phone big piece of land. It is a big piece of Justin land. Justin Trudeau. Go look at the map. What the hell are you doing up there? Seventeen percent. I, I want to invest. And I, I like that drill. consensus-based consensus-based management from the indigenous guardians. Great. Let's go. More than 1,800 U.S. newspapers have closed since 2004, leaving expanded news deserts. That's why this is in the natural news, because of that news desert. See? See, you snuck it in With little or no local reporting on public affairs. The study by the University of North Carolina School of Media and Journalism, an update of a 2016 paper, found that more than one-fifth of local dailies or weeklies had been shuttered in a decade and a half. As a result, thousands of communities are at risk of becoming news deserts. Half of the 3,143 counties in the United States now have only one newspaper, usually a small weekly, and almost 200 counties in the country have no newspaper at all. The people with the least access to local news are often the most vulnerable, the poorest, least educated, and most isolated. Perfect conditions for a fascist takeover. Whoa. Activist. An activist dies after a hunger strike protesting the Ganges River pollution. G.D. Agarwal was more than 15 weeks into a fast, 15 weeks, people, into a hunger fast that he began on June 22nd. He was demanding a law to protect the Ganges, or called the Ganga by some, India's largest waterway sacred to Hindus, which is filthy with domestic and industrial waste. It is filthy in some places. I've been in it. As well as the discontinuing of construction of hydroelectrical projects. The Ganges is an incredible river at its, uh, when it comes out of the Himalayas up there in, uh, in the Rishikesh areas, it is like ice blue glacial water. And by the time it gets down to Benares, it is uh, not so blue. Not so pretty. Melting glaciers at Novaya Zemlya in former Soviet territories um, contain radiation from nuclear bomb tests. Melting glaciers. A science expedition to the area has discovered big concentrations of radioactivity in the ice and concludes that the glaciers are melting into the sea at record speed. One barge was discovered at 400 meters depth, filled with radioactive waste containers. Uh, and will require special attention for the future. Underwater footage shows the barge is destroyed and some containers filled with radioactive waste have fallen out and are spread on the sea floor. More worrying is the radiation discovered in the glaciers stretching out into the waters. From 1957 to 1962, a total of 86 nuclear bomb tests were carried out in the atmosphere at Novaya Zemlya. The tests include the largest nuclear devices ever exploded, including the so-called 58 megaton Tsar bomb on October 30th, 1961. Okay, work to do. The Tsar bomb. Mm. 
Bacteria can develop antibiotic resistance up to 100,000 times faster when exposed to Roundup and other widely used herbicides. These mm. new findings add to a growing body of evidence that herbicides used on a mass industrial scale but not intended to be antibiotic can have profound effects on bacteria. Mm. Mm. More than 70% of Arctic sea ice is now seasonal, which means it grows in the winter and melts in the summer, but it doesn't last from year to year. This seasonal ice melts faster and breaks up easier, making it much more susceptible to wind and atmospheric conditions, and also, of course, more difficult for animals to rely on. 70% uh, of global emissions come from just 100 international companies. 70% of global emissions come from just 100 international companies. Coke Industries, for example, alone routinely released some 24 million tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere in one year. Well, let's just shut down those 100 yeah. companies. That's Go. the solution. Mm -hmm. That's the revolution, mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. It's right here. We figured it out here. Uh, Researchers estimate that 134 mammals, 178 reptiles, and 57 amphibian species live within about 30 miles of the proposed wall along the southern border of the United States. Of these, 50 species and three subspecies are globally or federally threatened in Mexico or the United States. I believe there's grounds for multiple lawsuits here to slow down that border wall. The Center for Biological Diversity is all over that. The U.S. just surpassed Russia as the world's top oil producer. The International Energy Agency predicts that American oil will account for 80% of the growth in global supply over the next seven years. <laughs> the Great Lakes are 1.6 degrees Celsius warmer than they were in the 40s, according to daily temperature readings. <clears throat> And a revolutionary new antibiotic has been found in a deep-sea sponge growing more than one mile below the surface of the Atlantic Ocean. Experts found the molecule after placing bacteria from the sponge on Petri dishes coated with bacteria from the human intestine as well as the antibiotic-resistant MRSA. The bacteria around it died, suggesting the presence of an antibiotic that bacteria found in humans do not have a defense against. The researchers who uncovered it said it could herald a new golden age of antibiotic discovery. Sponges, like the one they found this in, evolved before the dinosaurs around 570 million years ago. They feed by pushing seawater through their bodies and taking nutrients from the water. <gasps> It sounds like renewable energy. Yes. Humans now produce 320 million metric tons of plastic every year. Since 1950, human beings have produced more than 8 billion metric tons of plastic. Only 9% of those 8 billion metric tons have been recycled, while another 12% have been incinerated. That means over 6 billion metric tons of plastic are still in our environment. In June and September 2018, more than 10,000 volunteers in 42 countries participated in a cleanup. Their main goal was to collect plastic waste and record the names of the brands that produced it. The groups collected 180,000 individual pieces of plastic. And here are the top culprits. <laughs> Coca-Cola. Ooh, surprise. Way out ahead of everybody else. Coca-Cola. Pepsi, Nestle, Danon, Modelay, 
7-Eleven, Procter & Gamble, Unilever, Perfetti Von Mel, and Mars Incorporated. <laughs> I think you've heard of all these companies, haven't you? Have you even purchased one of these companies' products? I'm sure you have, probably today. The Interior Department fired, suspended, or reprimanded more than 1,500 employees for harassment or sexual misconduct between 2017 and 2018. Last December, a survey conducted by the Interior Department found that 35% of its workers were either harassed or discriminated against at work in the previous 12 months. <clears throat> I'm, these are the people in charge of the land, the earth on which we live. And finally, researchers have found the oldest clue yet of animal life, dating back at least 100 million years before the famous Cambrian explosion. The steroid biomarker is the first evidence that demo sponges and multicellular animals were thriving in ancient seas at least as far back as 635 million years ago. Okay. Well. Old. That's old. <laughs> we say AD. That means 2,000 years. Okay. AD after death, but like 635 million years ago. And they became us. All, all us. of us. All of us. And ev everything that's living now came from that one multi-cell sponge. I say that. 630 million you know, years you ago. You can get a, a perspective on life from space, from time, you know, uh, from looking at a big mountain, you've got to get some perspective, people. I think that, I think that I lose perspective when I am when I'm getting my information from a screen. Well, that makes sense because that's that's two dimensional space. Yeah. That, there is no perspective. It's Although n the night stars look good on a screen, that's the discovery of of Star Wars. You know that, mm. that was became the night sky became. Big time entertainment. That's a very shallow interpretation of perspective to say it looks good. That's not what perspective is about. I think perspective what, what, is about your own reference point, your own vantage, and also your own position, and also what what you can't know in that situation. Mm, the mystery. It's it's almost entirely defined by its limitation, right? Well, I think that what what happened with. Uh, Star Wars is they made beautiful graphics out of spaceships going from large shapes that filled the screen down to points in the distance. In other words, it was basically incorporating the interstate highway into the night sky. And that was that was the big discovery. There was so it was remember? It was like rock and roll. It was so exciting and now everybody does it. And uh I don't know that that introduces any kind of that mystery that's that l limitless mystery of when we're out under the stars it, it doesn't even happen at first i think we're we're putting interstates up there with our minds for a while and then well, also finally I would say that the narrative is so much stronger than the perspective you get from watching those spaceships the christian narrative of these saviors who are going to save everyone and this whole nonsensical like continuation of the heroic messianic jesus who's going to come and change everything and make everything good for everyone forever. Well, the cross is two interstates 
crossing each other. The, the right. cross is... But like when I look at the night sky, I'm not thinking about that narrative. I, when, I, when I look at a great distance, when I look at the horizon of the ocean, that's not the narrative. The narrative is so much larger, so much vaster, and encompasses so much more than that. Well, Jesus said, that's my dad's mansion up there. And it's a mansion of many rooms. He said it's a house not built of hands, which takes us right back to the earth. Thank you very much. And that is what Jesus taught us. That's a better translation. Well, now we've got... (laughs) Where did this conversation (laughs) get us? uh, Amen. The earth wants us to come back to... I've got a confession to make. Oh, okay. And it's also a question. Um, You said the the Nestle and the Coca-Cola and all those guys are the biggest polluters. Mm. Um. And you said that some of us may have even bought their products today. I just bought a bottle of Poland spring water in the shops that uh, I always thought was regular water. But turns out they have a little Nestle thing on the back. Yes, it's a Nestle. And uh, yes, yes. these uh, companies like Coca-Cola and um, Nestle and stuff like that, they own so many products um, that you, it's very hard to not buy them if you're going to shop in traditional shops and stuff like that. So how, so, so uh, how do I not buy their products? Okay, well, my first piece of advice to you is to get a water bottle so you don't have to buy Poland Springs water ever again. Get a water bottle that you can put in your bag. I mean, everybody, if you're still buying plastic water bottles, I don't know what to tell you. Get a grip. Get a life. We need to arrest you. We need to put you in jail. Come on. We're way past that. We need to put you in jail and give you water through the bars. That isn't in plastic containers. Forget it. Turn it down. Say the no. The earth jail. Say no, thank you. I'll go thirsty. And our friend in India protecting the Ganges River, 15 weeks without food, and you can't go an hour without water? Give me a break. Oh, Savitri, that was mean. My God, you're like an angry person. Well, we just know better now. So no more plastic water bottles. People start there. That's a good place to start. She is, despite her t- the tone of her voice... Savitri is a, a peace activist and deep down a very gentle person. And listen, I'm pretty down at the moment. And so I thought, I mean, let's call Medea today because Medea always tells us what to do, like in the best way. Medea. She, she keeps us going. She's like a, an engine. We want to welcome to The Earth Wants You uh, today very special guest and friend and teacher over the years, Medea Benjamin. Medea is a, a visionary who has founded uh, more organizations than uh, whose names I can remember. I would say Global Exchange would be one, a founder or co-founder, and of course, Code Pink. And if any of you out in Radio Land have a visual sense, go beyond audio now to the visual You remember a flash of pink at a Senate hearing. And what is that? That's a code pink person. (laughs) That is a code person pink who is interrupting (laughs) that hearing (laughs) and who is inevitably coming into our conscience. And and, um, Medea, the the interrupting flash of pink at hearings in in self-important settings in Washington, D.C. has become a kind of... uh, well, it's, it's a stand-in for our conscience. It's, it's, we know our conscience is still somewhere operative in the nation's capital. Welcome. We just had a, a, an extraordinary experience uh, with Dr. Ford's testimony, Brett Kavanaugh's irate response, his angry white man response, and then Trump and McConnell 
uh, closing the door on the possibility of having our next uh, justice not a sexual predator. A lot of activists responded, a lot of just even liberals, shall I say, let's let them in, into the conversation, uh, just Democrats and even possibly Republican women just were just so knocked out that we were like paralyzed. We were like hungover. And suddenly there you are having a press conference about the Saudi Arabia situation. And you've just not changed your schedule to accommodate for our hangover. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Is that that a complaint? (laughs) That's a question. I'm asking a question. Tell us about that press conference and what's on your mind right now. Yeah, well, I too had the hangover around uh, Kavanaugh living in Washington, D.C. and being an activist. You can't help but um, be involved. And that oftentimes meant going at four o'clock in the morning to get online, to get in the hearings and then getting arrested. And it's exhausting. Uh, uh, But it's it's also uh, perhaps a a good thing living in D.C. to be able to. jump from one issue to the other because there's always some outrage and just following on the Kavanaugh hearings to learn that uh, someone I consider a friend, Jamal Khashoggi, who is uh, was very prominent in foreign policy circles in Washington, D.C., uh, to learn that he had just vanished uh, was something that I couldn't kind of... Uh, sit around and mope about you Mm -hmm. have to get out and 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 make some noise do we think he's deceased now or what's Uh, i i think we can start talking about him in the past tense unfortunately because there was a measure of hope people had that he hadn't been murdered he had been quote merely renditioned uh, back to Saudi Arabia, which is what the Saudi government wants to say happened right now. We didn't want to kill the guy. We just wanted to drag him back to Saudi Arabia where we could do anything we wanted because it's our country. Right. Um, the fact that uh, they're now about to say that he has been, that, that this was a mistake, uh, but indeed he was, was murdered. Um, so I think, yes, unfortunately, we... Um, can talk about him in the past tense. Medea, how is it that you became so interested in Saudi Arabia and what goes on there? I mean, did your peace activism lead you directly to Saudi Arabia? Is that what happened? No, (laughs) there's been lots of things in between. You know, my peace activist started in Vietnam, so there's been many uh, deviations along places the way. like Central America and South Africa and Chile and all kinds of things along the way. Um, but it was really after 9-11. It hmm. didn't lead me directly to Saudi Arabia. It led me actually in a circuitous route because I got involved more on um, certainly trying to stop the war in Iraq. But I did get more involved around Israel-Palestine and people in my family of uh, the Jewish side of the family would say, well, what about those um, Arab countries? Uh, some of them are really vicious. How come you don't do anything about those? And I decided to look more into Saudi Arabia and realize that they were right. Not that I should stop criticizing Israel, but that I should also criticize um, the repressive Arab regimes. And I think the most repressive one of all uh, is indeed Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. 
And so right now, <clears throat> what is your focus with Saudi Arabia? What, what would you see changed there? Well, it's interesting. And when I wrote the book, Kingdom of the Unjust, I have chapter after chapter about all the horrendous things that the Saudi government does in the neighborhood from Yemen and Bahrain to uh, what it does internally in repressing its own people. Mm -hmm. And now suddenly, um, after all these poor Yemeni children have been dying for three years and Bahrain's revolution has been crushed and people inside Saudi Arabia have been rotting in prison or beheaded. Um, This one death of the uh, journalist has opened the people's eyes and has caused a huge possible rift with Saudi Arabia. And so I'm taking advantage of that uh, to try to get companies and our government to stop doing business with Saudi Arabia. And a lot of that business, as Donald Trump has reminded us, is about weapons sales. Why do you think, Medea, that the the protocols that take place inside of embassies and on like sort of national property like that, right? These these elaborate protocols that exist between governments, like the nerve of going into an embassy and doing this on in, on Turkish soil, or why is that so much more upsetting to people than a drone strike on a family in the desert? Well, I think there's another issue, which is that he was a journalist and a uh-huh. journalist not for some Pakistani newspaper or, uh, you know, Yemeni radio station. He was a journalist for the Washington Post, um, the uh, the most important policy paper in the United States. Mm. So that's what makes him so special. Mm-hmm. He had friends in high places. And, you know, the Washington Post has been doing about four articles a day on him for the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. They've been putting out videos. They've been contacting journalists in other uh, papers and asking for solidarity. So uh, this is touching right into the heart of the uh, elite mainstream media of this country. And I think that's what has made the difference. Do you think that, um, of course, we're aware of the rise with the strong men governments, the rise of the persecution of political artists and journalists, writers, uh, the international pen organization at the forefront. Uh, is there any possible hope because of this man's prominence that more light can be cast on on um, persecuted people in so many places? It's hard to know how much this extends to other journalists in other places. I think it's more likely it will extend to why is the U.S. so closely allied to Saudi Arabia? And even there, because there is so much money involved And uh, companies really want to keep the gravy train of the Saudi petrodollars that have been invested in their companies Mm -hmm. and the PR firms that get hundreds of thousands of dollars a month to represent the Saudis and the Ivy League universities that get entire wings of their universities paid for by Saudis and the D.C. think tanks that uh, grease the wheels of the propaganda machine. You know, they all want to find a way to sweep this under the rug. So it seems I like don't, it, yeah, it, it, I don't it seems like somebody might have with all that all that money going out to all those professionals that somebody might have uh, said, well, you know, you don't want to you don't want to uh, <laughs> kill 
Jamal Khashoggi. You mean uh, warn uh, them before? Yeah, it seems <laughs> they didn't you get the right advice. Their, their newfound love of the Israelis, they would have figured out how to do these assassinations without. Oh getting my caught. God. Oh, that's so sad. Medea, I think of you as someone who really knows what's going on, right? I think of you as someone who has your ear to the ground in many different places. And I just wonder what, what you think is going on. Uh, well, I think this is um, the work of Mohammed bin Salman, the rash now 33-year-old. He was 30 years old when he was basically made head of state by his father's dementia. Uh, but he is uh, actually kind of like a Donald Trump on steroids. He is such a reckless, rash person, and there's no uh, institutions in Saudi Arabia like a Congress or an independent judiciary that's going to uh, try to rein him in. So he's gotten away with kidnapping the prime minister of uh, Lebanon. He's gotten away with uh, creating a uh, economic havoc with his um, blockade of Qatar. He's gotten away with putting a non a women um, human rights activists in prison while he has uh, just been lauded for granting women the right to drive. He gets away with one thing after another after another. And what probably happened is that he thought he was going to just capture this guy, take him back to Saudi Arabia, and it would blow over very quickly. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I, I see Saudi Arabia clearly as like a rogue state in its way, right? We know that about Saudi Arabia, but it has this past because it's so wealthy and it has so much money and it knows to lubricate, you know, the international scene with its money to stay safe, right? That's its safety blanket. And I just wonder, you know, if we see in this situation some kind of marker of like a new stage of like transnational capitalism and the nation state, like get, being married in the most disgusting way. Like if that's what you're seeing when you look at it, because um, I think a lot of us like don't, we don't see inside of it enough to, to really get it, but we have a feeling. Of conspiracy. <laughs> right, that something <laughs> larger is at work here. Well, you see it just so perfectly in it, all of its grotesqueness uh, in, with the Saudi Arabia example. The fact that Donald Trump can just openly say, well, yeah, they might have killed this guy and, and, and chopped him up, uh, but we have jobs we have to worry about. <laughs> and those jobs happen to be in the weapons business and the weapons happen to kill little kids in Yemen. But, you know, it's OK because it's all about money and jobs. Mm -hmm. I mean, hello, you would think this is a moment for the American people to wake up and say, what the hell kind of economy have we created mm -hmm. that we are dependent on killing little kids in Yemen for these jobs? That's well, that begs the question, insane. or that doesn't beg the question, it demands the question, <laughs> how, do, how are we going to wake up? Medea, how well, are we going to wake up? You have been doing all this work about the environmental issues and, you know, here we have an example of Trump saying we need jobs making weapons. No, we don't need jobs making weapons. We need jobs countering the damage that we've done to our beautiful planet. Oh, That's where we oh, need there to you put go. our money in our there jobs. You so, you know, the wake up call is coming from Mother Earth. Uh, and uh, the wake up call is to say, uh, if we don't pay attention to how we're destroying the planet uh, and not putting our resources uh, into that, 
um, we're all going to die. Mm. So mm. I, I think you help a lot by making these connections between environmental destruction and war and the kind of um, ways that we have uh, just so d- d- uh, grotesquely used our resources to create um, weapons like drones that mm. can kill people from 10,000 miles away mm-hmm. uh, instead of making um, high-speed rail so we don't destroy our planet with our cars and, you know, on and on. Medea, so it's all connected. Last time we talked to you, um, you know, we like to give our listeners some sort of uh, – Tools, you know, tools to build activism with. And last yeah. time we spoke to you it was just after Donald Trump was elected and you, you spoke to us about affinity groups and really establishing strong networks of trust with a group of people you want to work with and working with them. And I, I guess I would just ask you as someone who really is able to uh, stay at it, you know, just unflagging work for many years and focused work. And in, in this time when we are so distracted and also just so overwhelmed by the spectacle of our government right now. Um, how do you stay focused? And secondly, like if there was one thing you could say to, you know, um, our vast megachurch, our megachurch <laughs> about activism right now, what is it? I would say uh, keep it up and don't get exhausted. Uh, I was feeling really exhausted last night and said, why don't we get up early tomorrow and go to the secretary of the treasury's house and give him a wake up call to knock wow. out Saudi Arabia. <laughs> All right. And Before said, breakfast. All right, let's get up. And we felt so energized after going to his house. We actually saw him, waved at him, had our signs. And we said, wow, this was fun. Now I'm ready for a, another day at uh, peacemaking. <laughs> Better wow. than coffee. Better I than think coffee. the solution is actually not to stop, but as you are the kings and queens of this, is to find fun ways to do it, yeah. to keep it keep up. Keep singing. To keep the community going. <laughs> and uh, that is such a charge. I'm, I'm charged up for the rest of the day just by my... My morning activism. <laughs> Thank you, Mindia. We're Mindia. grateful. We're so glad to talk with you today. Thank you so much. As Good. ever, for thanks your for work. having me on. Hey, man, I'm so I feel so much better. I got my Medea hit. I I I was as depressed personally interior in my interior as a Senate hearing, and then there was a flash of pink. An angry pink woman gets up and says, stop murdering everybody. And I was like an old white senator just coming back dozing. to life. Just dozing. <laughs> I, can't, I woke up <laughs> and flew around the room like a bird. Amen. A free bird. Don't start singing free bird by Leonard Skinner now, okay? Listen, That's not. I want to hear David Bowie. Amen. You, you can be me. I'll drink all the time Cause we're lovers That is the fact Yes, we're lovers That is the fact will keep us together
Oh, David. David. We miss you. We miss you, brother. When David uh, Bowie sang at Farm Aid uh, as a guest of Willie Nelson and Neil Young, the song he sang with a a band that was made of uh, like 23-year-old African-American children was Heroes. We can be heroes. That's that's what he sang. Oh, really? That's a great song. Uh, let's go to Drums of Revolution. What you got, Killian? What you got? Uh, start beating the skins. Now that we're happy. Welcome to Activist News. This week's Drums of Revolution, we have the djembe drummers of West Africa playing the cuckoo rhythm. And don't worry yourselves, these guys get faster, and so will I. Tomorrow at 9am, for those of you who don't work the traditional working week, there's a rally protesting grand management at 431 Bleecker Street, Brooklyn, New York, organised by the tenants. And here's a quote. As a tenant of 431 Bleecker, we lived in fear of the destruction of our homes whenever we were at work. We never knew what to expect, finding our radiators ripped out, piles of debris on our floor, and dirty boot prints on our rugs and bedspreads. Well, that doesn't sound that bad to me. I'm joking. Of course, it sounds terrible. Get out and protest. More quotes. We can't stop this rampant, inhumane greed without your involvement. The diversity of New York City is what makes it beautiful. Well, it certainly isn't the weather. October 17th, 431 Bleecker Street, 9am. Please show up. From last week, our wonderful guests, Francisca and Byron from the Chinatown Working Group kindly pointed out to us, but this is a reminder folks, no harm in saying it twice, show up to the hearing on October 17th at 120 Broadway, 10am, stop those terrors, the Chinatown Working Group meet every month on the first Monday at 6.30pm, 225 Cherry Street, find out more info on chinatownworkinggroup.com, I've checked out their website, it's a very nice website to look at, if you can't lend a hand with your body and your presence, please don't hesitate to donate to their legal funds, gofundme.com forward slash l-e-s-o-n, Lower East Side something something if you feel so inclined, which you should, and stop the destruction of the Lower East Side. And finally, every Monday, since January 2005, NYC shut it down, is taken to the streets of NYC, forcing attention to the ever-growing Black Lives Matter movement and the struggle for black liberation. We've had NYC shut it down on the show many times before. They're tireless. They need your support. People's Monday is a fantastic weekly action. Through our weekly People's Monday actions, NYC shut it down highlights different cases of police brutality against people of color. Check out our Facebook group for details on the location and focus of this week's People's Monday. And that's all we have for Activist News this week. Since I think we can all agree we're very big fans of the djembe drummers, I'm going to let you listen to them for a little bit, listen to them speed up, listen to them get the beat going and let that beat pulse inside your heart and hopefully you'll go to at least one of these actions this week. Don't go to one, don't go to two, go to all of them. Don't go to three, don't go to two, go to one of them. Just get off your butt and show your presence, be there with your body. It's a great way to make a change. Please go out there and be there.
Junction's Got Talent, the whooping crane, the tallest North American bird, named for its whooping sound. Along with the sandhill crane, it is one of only two crane species found in North America. The whooping crane's lifespan is estimated to be 22 to 24 years in the wild. After being pushed to the brink of extinction by unregulated hunting and loss of habitat to just 22 wild and two captive whooping cranes by 1941, conservation efforts have led to a limited recovery. The species can stand up to five feet tall and have a wingspan of seven and a half feet. Their calls are loud and carry several miles. They express guard calls, apparently to warn their partners about any potential danger and they jointly call rhythmically. It's called a unison call after waking in the early morning and after courtship. Uh, their many potential nest and brood pet predators include American black bears, wolverines, gray wolves, mountain lions, red foxes, Canada lynxes, bald eagles, and the common raven. Uh, golden eagles have killed young whooping cranes and fledglings, and the bobcat is the real murderer here, has killed many whooping cranes in Florida and Texas. Uh, they take the eggs. And in Florida, bobcats have caused the great majority of mortalities among whooping cranes, including several adults and the first chick documented to be born in the wild in 60 years. I bring this up because the reason there are so many bobcats is because the apex predator, the Florida panther, is gone. Is gone. Mm -hmm. So what you see there is the collapse of a habitat because the apex predator is really that linchpin that kind of holds it all together. The the keystone species, right? That's and why here, we need strong man governments. We need that right, predator at the that's top. That's right. That's why we need that. And here we have the sound of the whooping crane. Two of them. Thank you, the whooping crane. How tall did you say the? I'm trying to picture how. Almost five feet tall. If a whooping crane walked into the room. You'd notice. Like a New Yorker cartoon. You'd notice. They fly in great spirals. I think I heard some of that rhythmic, uh, more than one, singing together in, in rhythm there. Yeah, the unison call. Can I hear it again? Can I hear it again? So beautiful. Uh, Sabri, you were just talking about the origins of life more than 600 million years ago. And then we are, we are left to, to wonder about the, the trail of choices, uh, of intelligence, of as life self-organizes and complexifies uh, from those multi-cell 
life forms, those early sponges, somehow making, making, making their way across the millions of years. And, and now so many, so much of that, of that life going forward, making symphonies of life, um, now being stopped um, by the need for money, stopped by militaries, stopped by overpopulation, stopped by habitat destruction, stopped by fossil fuel toxins. Uh, in many cases, just stopped because governments can't possibly emerge from their corruption and work with people to to encourage the life of this earth to go forward, to flourish. We just, we just need to return for a moment because we all have it in, inside of us. We are all made of that life. Just return for a moment to that wonder that, that those, those growing choices are made by something. We don't know what, you can make up gods, you can mask it off, you can make up things, but nobody really knows. That force, that force, the whooping crane, that's like a prayer. It's like the, the, the water prayers we heard at Standing Rock. We call out, we make a melody from our bodies, just celebrating this thing, not demanding that it become data, that it, that it becomes something that we can make sense of, but just celebrating that life. And when we do that, then we can have the courage to defend it. Got a taste of that today with Medea Benjamin and the, and the Code Pink women who go into the halls of power, the most awe-inspiring pillars, the old white males dealing the billions, and go right up to them and just stop them. Just stop them. Surprise them, shock them. Make them sit down. Make them leave the room. End their false decorum. We all have that in us with our songs, with the things that come out of our body. We can defend life. Berthaluya. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. This is The Earth Wants You. I'm Savitri D. with Reverend Billy, our producer today, Killian Sunderman, here at the Commons Cafe in Brooklyn, New York. Please share the show. Tell your friends to listen. And contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Earth-a-lou-ya. Earth-a-lou-ya.